Of Retro Encounter, RPG Fans Weekly Podcast of Many Topics. I'm Mike Solosi, and I'm here uh, to discuss some trails, not trials, with three other RPG fan staff persons, uh, starting with Zach Wilkerson. Hey there. And Alana Hagues. Hey. And Caitlin Argyros. Hey. Now, in the month of August, we are going to be playing through The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel. Uh, This is our second Falcom game journal game of the year, uh, which is no problem at all for me, because, I mean, Falcom experiences are overwhelmingly positive as I've uh, come to play every new one over the past couple years. But uh, this is not the first time the podcast has covered um, the Trails series. Uh, Legend of Heroes has been around a long time, decades even. I think the first one was... Uh, th- that Dragon Slayer game in the 80s that no one's played, but... Uh, oh, I have. Oh, oh, oh my. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's real hard. <laughs> I, oh, boy, I bet. I mean, I, I'm not... Uh, I have no desire to play that at all, because, like, trying out the three um, PSP Trails games... Uh, I'm sorry, not PSP pre-Trails Legend of Heroes games, like uh, like uh, White Witch and, T- and Vermilion... T- uh, uh, was it Vermilion Tear? Really, uh, I don't know. I, I, sure. I tried two of those three and thought they were awful, so I was unbelievably surprised with how much I enjoyed Trails in the Sky when that came out uh, in English in 2011. But regardless, Legend of Heroes has been around a long time, and it's probably the signature series of uh, Nihon Falcon. Uh, we, the uh, three of the four first episodes of Random Encounter were playing through Trails in the Sky, <laughs> but uh, but <laughs> none of the four of us were on the um, were on those episodes. I guess this is going to be very uh, Trails-specific, more so than Legend of Heroes-specific, but let's talk about our individual backgrounds with these games, Uh, starting with you, Caitlin. I know you're a big fan. Yeah, so Cold Steel is actually my first uh, Trails game, Um, or at least the first one that I got through all the way. Um, And I loved it so much that I played it in Cold Steel 2. And then um, once we got the word that we were getting Cold Steel 3 localized, I went back and I finally did the thing that I should have done ages ago and played through the Sky Trilogy. Um, So I've been doing like a series replay so that I'm prepared for Cold Steel 3 when it comes out. Now with a later release date of October 22nd, I believe. And these are not brisk games, so a series replay <laughs> b- uh, prior to Cold Steel Three is no joke at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind. I mean, like, I, I, I'm not tired of the games. I haven't f- gotten like exhausted of, of the games, but I have been a little worn out by the fact that if I'm not doing like a review project, I've been playing Trails, Trails, Trails. I'm looking forward to playing some other games in my backlog once I'm all caught up and ready for Cold Steel Three. 
and Cold Steel 3 is coming out in English this year in October. It, it was a September date, that, uh, but it got pushed a month uh, fairly recently in, the, in, I don't know, mid or late July. But uh, a very good thing that they pushed it back. September is way too stacked with <laughs> games. Agree. Yeah, and if if they need um, extra work for the localization or for optimization, then I welcome it. I mean, shorter load times and avoiding a situation like the East Eight launch. That that sounds like a good plan to me. Um, but uh, Alana, um, you probably haven't played as many Trails games as uh, Caitlin has, but you and I demoed Cold Steel Three in uh, at E Three last month or two months ago. And uh, so what other Trails experiences have you encountered? Well, um, Cold Steel is my first, and this is my very first playthrough of a any Trails game ever. So I find this is probably a nice pl- a starting place, but I feel like somebody in the Falcom Trails Kiseki series will l- like jump out and scream at me and telling, tell me I'm doing it wrong. But <laughs> I... I've kind of had a second-hand experience with Cold Steel um, because my mom actually played it when it first came out a couple of years ago. Um, there is still an so- open invitation for a retro encounter panel disposition to, <laughs> ma- to, to, yes. to Mama Hags. <laughs> I want to talk to your mom. <laughs> um, so yeah, she's played through it. I kind of caught bits of it, so I knew, and I knew, and I know little bits, um, but I didn't know the overarching thing. And I'm kind of not a massive like, oh my goodness, spoilers. Like a lot of it is to do with the journey and the experience with all the characters. So yeah, this is my first time playing it. But now I'm, as of recording, I am approaching the end of the game. I am almost guaranteed going to jump straight into Cold Steel 2 and probably the Sky Games towards the end of the year. Um, yes, one of us. <laughs> one of you indeed, definitely. Um, but yeah, first time playing through um, and it's been a really fun time so far. Right on. Uh, I think I'll go next. Uh, the, uh, I knew about the Trails games, at least in the early 2000s, because people were talking up how good some of the Japanese ones were, and so I played the, uh, the th- two of the PSP ones that weren't, uh, that were pre-Trails, I, I get, it would have been probably the late 2000s, like 08 or 09 range, and um, uh, Legend of Heroes Trails in the Sky was always showing up on people's lists of great Japanese RPGs that will, will never come out in English. But then, <laughs> lo and behold, uh, in 2011, Trail, uh, Trails in the Sky 1 does come out in English, and I play it, and I really, really love it. I, uh, that, that was my first real Trails experience that lasted beyond you know, three and a half hours. And I really enjoyed Trails, of Cold, uh, Trails in the Sky 1 and 2. Um, I... I I think I waited a little bit to play too because it took a while for it, uh, for it to come out on PSP, and I wanted to use my save from um, Trails in the Sky One. But I, but that's where it ends. I never got around to Trails in the Sky Three or any of the Cold Steel games. I bought Cold Steel One when it came out. I still had it in the you know fancy special edition Vita packaging. Um, that, that I, which was which would have been I'm not exactly sure, but at least at least four years ago. Maybe maybe five. Um, it came out December 2015. Okay, so yeah, 2015 then, because I, I, I got it at launch. But never made it past the first few hours. I was always distracted by something or another. Uh, and this is my first real committed playthrough of it. I am not as far as Alana or Caitlin. I am right at the end of Chapter 2, so... I'm I'm gonna have to binge a little bit to make sure that I'm ready to finish this game off in two weeks. But I but I'm I'm motivated to do it. I, I like I, like every chapter seems better than the previous one so far. Mm-hmm. And, um, but and it's pretty exciting to me. So uh, Zach, what is your background with Kiseki slash Trails? 
Uh, it's pretty limited. I'm actually pretty much in the same boat as Alana. Um, I picked up Trails in the Sky years and years ago, but around when it came out um, for the PSP, and I got maybe two hours into it, and then I just fell off of it. I liked it. Um, it's totally my jam, my style, um, you know, story-heavy, sort of political intrigue um, type games, but... And I've had Cold Steel sitting on my shelf for a long time as well. Um, but the turbo feature really sold me on playing this one because it's really helpful in terms of making it go quicker. And um, yeah, so I, I'm enjoying my time with it. I think the combat system is pretty cool too. Um, but yeah, um, this is my first experience with it. And you mentioned the turbo feature. That's, I think, exclusive to only the PC and PS4 versions? I believe so. Yeah. Right, Caitlin? Yeah, yeah. right. And that, that just speeds up... Um... Is it all actions on the screen or only animations in combat? It's almost everything. Um, they made it so that you, you, if you're in combat and you get a, um, uh, a link attack, it doesn't turbo through that so you don't lose your chance of activating it. But pretty much everything else is turboed and it does involve <laughs> actually skipping uh, animations. So, mm-hmm. so if you like watching the animations, you might want to turn it off for like S crafts and whatnot like that, so you can still bask in the awesomeness. So, does the entire cast sound like Alvin and the Chipmunks? No, it doesn't speed up ah, the dialogue. Come on, it does not speed up the dialogue. Why would you want that? What are you, <laughs> what are you actively trying to do? Like, <laughs> Oh, I as someone who listens to podcasts at a uh, one point one five times speed, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm just used to pe- people talking a little bit quickly. I feel like I found something out about you today. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I listen to so many podcasts. It, it is one hundred percent for convenience' sake, and not for uh, and not for you know taking in as as much content as possible. Sake if it, if it goes much faster than that, it, it, I think I think it's too fast and it makes the music too bad. Yeah, that turbo feature is not in the Vita version, so it's been a it's been a bit of a slog for me. I just sometimes sometimes it's fine, like just going through towns and or tinkering or even combat. Most of the time, I'm fine with it because uh, you can skip any animation by just pressing the start button. If if I'm not interested in seeing an S-Craft animation, I can go ahead and skip it. But the turbo feature, I bet that would be really handy. Just going through these very large open paths that the mm-hmm. that the dungeon and field areas are. Yeah, I mean, especially in Chapter 3, yeah. um, where yeah. you're in the Nord Highlands, I mean, oh, so uh, and you're going all across these, like, vast, like, almost, like, Xenoblade areas, um, it, it's, oh it's my, really helpful. That, that, that is different from Chapter 2. <laughs> it, it's it's not that big, but yes, it, it is. same ballpark, yeah. The other chapters afterwards are not as expansive. Nord is, is, is about as wide open as either uh, Cold Steel 1 or Cold Steel 2 get in terms of a single area, so... You don't have to worry about it continuing to get bigger and bigger and bigger, and suddenly you're like, ah! Right on. So I I guess if we're going to jump into this game, we should start at the beginning. Uh, the, the characters and the school. Uh, this Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel takes place at Thor's Military Academy, which is located in the Erebonia region. And if you have, were a player of Trails in the Sky, you might be remember Erebonia is the... Empire that was a former enemy of Liberal. Liberal's where Trails in the Sky takes place. And uh, the character Oliver comes from Erebonia. And a lot of people in Trails in the Sky thought of Erebonia as the enemy nation, sort of. Trails of Cold Steel takes place several years after Trails in the Sky. They reference the events of Trails in the Sky a couple times in just uh, inconsequential dialogue or library books. Mm-hmm. I don't think this it's a requirement to play trails in the sky beforehand oliver does show up in trails of cold steel i know 
but uh, yeah. th- there's no, I don't think it's a major, major key requirement. They usually just refer to it as, like, the incident in Liberal. I mean, right. like, it's not something that gets heavily referenced, um, even up to where I am. Yeah, I I didn't feel when I played Cold Steel the first time that I was majorly missing out. I knew I knew a few things, like I knew mm-hmm. who Olivier in the Sky Games was. I already knew that that reveal, um, but I didn't really know the story of the events in FC and SC. And I enjoyed Cold Steel just fine. So yeah, it's a, it's a very good and it's an intentional. If Falcom wanted Cold Steel to be a good starting point for people who might yeah. want to get into the series but didn't want to play through the older games. Yeah, I basically agree. It's a, a, technically there was five um, Trails games, but in between Sky and Cold Steel, uh, Sky mm-hmm. one, two, and three, and then the two crossbow games, uh, Trails in the Blue and Trails of Zero, or however you want to uh, translate um, Ao and Zero Nokiseki. Uh, again, this is a very, very good entry point by all appearances, but it takes place in Thor's Military Academy, and it centers on Class 7, which are nine students that are, uh, that, that you basically meet all of them at the same time. Uh, Reen Schwarzer is the, uh, is the player character who is always with you, uh, except for one surprising part of Chapter 2. <laughs> but in general, it's a diverse group that represents... The makeup of Erebonia and the conflict going on within Erebonia, and this is extremely deliberate. But mm-hmm. uh, let because without going into it too deeply, uh, Erebonia is a very large, wealthy nation. It's it's bigger and and I think more industrialized and more developed than Liberal was even. But uh, there's a noticeable class divide between nobles and commoners. Mm-hmm. And at Thor's military academy. There had always been a uh, noble classes and commoner classes, and they were even separated by different uniforms that they wear. But Class 7 uh, does not wear the white noble uniforms or the green commoner uniforms. They're a special class that is uh, mixed of nor- nobles and commoners, and they wear snazzy red uniforms. They are a brand new best. class for that year as well. Yes. The it, first year of Class 7. Yeah, I think it was... It, before, it was always two, 1 and 2 were noble, and 3 through 6 were commoner, and... Uh, there's no class six. There's right? no six. Yeah, yeah, three, no. three through five are commoner, sure. And seven is yeah. is the first special class, and it's only nine students, which I don't know seems a little bit lightweight for a entire uh, homeroom class. <laughs> but it's probably for the best, though. Nine characters is kind of pushing it as it is in terms of like development time. Yeah. So. And that's just nine to start out with. So. Yeah, and I think that um, some of them don't really even get much story shine until chapter two. But we'll get to that. We want to look at each member of Class 7 individually. So I just want early impressions. Um, let's, of the nine main characters, let's each bring up our favorite, and then we'll talk about the, uh, the five or six also-rans afterwards. <laughs> uh, Alana, I think I know where you're going with this. Oh, <laughs> no. There's two ways I could go with this. This oh, is unfair. Give us, bo- um, give us both, then. All right, so let's go for Laura first of all because oh, yes, the queen is absolutely. <laughs> I will save her for anybody else then. So I'll talk about you sis, next. <laughs> no, <it's fine. laughs> yes, oh, you picked, I, uh, you I picked you. two of my top three. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I'm really surprised by how much I like Usis because initially he came along. He was all like, "Oh, I'm the best." Like Usis basically is one of the sons. Um. So we were talking about how Erebonia. There's quite a few royal families. There are four main royal families and Eustace is the son of one of the heads of one of those royal families basically the second highest ranking out of all four of them um Eustace definitely wears that on his sleeve he's very much a noble boy he doesn't like commoners he's very 
self-assured and I thought oh god not this jerk but at the same time I like looked at him and was like I feel like I'm gonna like you and 45 hours later I really do because Eustace has um some quirks and he has a particularly good rivalry with a a sort of commoner but yeah I love you. Yus- I live for Yusuf and Machias' rivalry so, so much. Good. It's, it's real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he gets quite a lot of development quite early on. I mean, he is one of the focuses for Chapter 2, and his uh, relationship with Machias is pretty particular in that point. But I just really like him. And um, he's a bit of a... A lot of the characters are based on anime tropes, kind of like the Tales series. Oh, and yeah. Yusuf is definitely one of those. But he seems to come out of it and, tr- like be a reverse of it at times as well which I really really like but um yeah Eustace is my favourite he also has the best pants like he has the best trousers hands <laughs> yeah. down <laughs> I, en- I enjoy Easy. that uh that these are all students at a military school and they have a uniform that they follow and they have identical jackets but they're allowed some const- uh, some customization in shirts trousers uh shoes skirts yeah uh, the four f- um, female main characters all have a different colour skirt which yeah, is... I like the way the guys wear the jackets differently. Like yeah. uh, Elliot has a waistcoat, and Gaius is a little bit longer. So... Yeah, Gaius like yeah. like has it on has like almost he's the tallest member of class seven, but he also wears like an oversized coat that almost hangs off him. Yeah, it's very cool. But yeah, Eustace is my favorite and still is, and I'm kind of upset that he is, but I just <laughs> I'll defend him. The, for life. Well, Nothing the, to I, be upset about. The, the thing is, <laughs> um, so good. the thing is, I don't think he's a real jerk noble. He's uh, he if any. No, that's Patrick. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, he's yes. not Patrick. Yeah, yeah, no, he's not Patrick. Yeah. And, and I think like in a worse game, Eustace would act more like Patrick. But Eustace is a. Uh, He's again. He is uh, the scion, or one of the scions, of one of the most four powerful families in the country, and this is a country that values nobility and appearances, and a bunch of, and a bunch of noble traditionalism that Eusus maybe doesn't reject, but he definitely doesn't like. Like he, yeah. he, he is. It's not that he doesn't like his family or doesn't like being a noble. He definitely does not enjoy how he's treated differently because of his status, and and sort of resents parts of the. Erebonian nobility nonsense, and as and as such, he has to keep up appearances, has to yeah. has to act like this cool boy, but is not so secretly just as annoyed with everyone always. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if we're talking about this yet, but there's sort of a reason for that too, right? I mean, sort of his his own sort of lineage being only half noble, right? Yeah. Yes. So, mother, yeah. It, it comes out later that his mother was a commoner, and uh, and and that. That probably gives him some. I don't know if inner turmoil is the right word, but but also get you know has him question self awareness. Yeah, yeah, ha- it's, yeah. it's definitely things. inner turmoil because mm-hmm, his sure. um, older brother is full noble and is like the poster boy for the nobles. Yeah, his, his dad is a real jerk who doesn't dad is doesn't really love him. No, yeah. I really I yeah. really like um, <laughs> his brother is Rufus, and I actually really like Rufus. It's like okay, you're you are oh. you, you are either very not evil or you are going to completely blindside me when you betray, yeah. when you betray everyone later I, I, I don't know anything but it's so my good. guess that he's going to blindside I don't know May- I don't know maybe it's like uh, I, I think Rufus cares about the nobility and cares about his country and doesn't wa- want to antagonize Eustace and his friends but if all of the nobles end up turning on everyone, then he would be like one of their leaders for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. But so I, but I don't know what's, uh, I don't know anything about that. Cause I have mostly, I, I've avoided most spoilers, but I did one of the biggest spoilers of the game. I already do know. We'll, we'll talk about that in part two. Oh. <laughs> uh, 
uh, and it's, it, it was because of um, an anime opening of all things. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, back to back to Rufus and Eusis. Uh Again, I, I think <laughs> Rufus I, and Eusis, Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'd I'd watch a movie called Rufus and Eusis just so I don't see. <laughs> but the uh, they're they're extremely representative of the Arabonian nobility, at, with uh, Rufus kind of embodying it and. Eusis kind of living within it, but wanting to rebel against it a little, maybe. And I, I, I like Eusis a lot. Again, if I think I have three favorite characters in Class Seven, and he's one of them. Yeah. He's he's so good in part because he's a great foil for Reen. Who yeah. by this by this point we know that Reen is also a noble, but he's been adopted. He doesn't actually have noble blood in his body, and, and he says that multiple times. It's a sticking point for him. He doesn't really feel like he deserves to be a noble because he wasn't born one. And I feel like Eusis is a great foil for that to show him. You know, just because you weren't you know a true blood noble doesn't mean you can't wear that with a certain degree of pride. And then, and, and then you have Machias at the opposite end of the spectrum, with uh, who's a commoner, whose uh, father is a successful governor, which is yeah, and also a commoner, but he really, really hates the nobility and the uh, and, mm-hmm. and the class divide. Mm-hmm. So, so Eusis uh, and Machias exist at opposite ends ends of this Erebonia spectrum, and Reen is right in the middle of it, being of commoner birth, but a uh, but raised by nobles and not really being comfortable being ca- calling himself a noble when he introduced when uh when when Machias basically demands that everyone says <laughs> identifies himself as a noble or a commoner in the prologue <laughs> uh Reen like pauses and said I don't have a drop of noble blood in me which uh <laughs> right. which Machias does not appreciate later when he finds out that that <laughs> Reen's father is a noble <laughs> but uh yeah um Eusis and Machias really illustrate that difference and I, I guess I mean I'm on Team Usus pretty clearly because Machias is has a much more Machias is an ass. He has a much more unpleasant oh, personality. I he, quite like Machias. I mean Machias is one of my favorites only because he reminds me of myself when I was 16. Oh boy, so, <laughs> like 100. <laughs> percent He's unple- I mean he's unpleasant, but I don't think he's a bad character. And he, he no, yeah, he's he, not. And he really he grows has in chapter reasons two. that yeah. you'll find out about in our second episode. But he's sure. still an abrasive ass about it. Like oh, his, sure. he over yeah. he overreacts more than anybody else in the entire class, and that's including Eusis, who is does kind of egg him on a little bit, but yeah. Oh, no, no. Neither of them is guiltless in the uh, animosity between them. They have such a great hate, love-hate relationship, though. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean... Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and Machias is also an overachieving serious boy who was either uh, <laughs> second in the exam to enter Thor's or tied for first. And, he was second. Yeah, second, yeah, second yep. to Emma. Got it. And he was a... Uh, uh, he's the class representative and an extreme stickler and uh, studies super hard. And Maybe it's his uh, upbringing, but he clearly believes that everything needs to be earned and nobles are unjust and having wealth and power handed to them. So he mm-hmm. works super hard. His dad works super hard. And he's super mad at all nobles because the, he doesn't think they've earned what they have. Uh, or at least that's, that's my interpretation of it. But... Uh, so we've already tapped into Eusis and Machias and Reen a little bit. Uh, Caitlin, who's your favorite of the nine main characters of uh, Cold Steel 1? Well, aside from Eusis, who is my favorite, so we already talked about him, uh, Laura is so good. Laura, so good. Laura's, Laura's probably my favorite out of the, the female members of, of Class 7. I think she's my, fa- um, she's my favorite overall, I think. Yeah. 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 
So she's also a noble, although she doesn't belong to one of the four great houses. Her father uh, is is the 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 leader of the the Arsade uh, family and school of swordsmanship, and they uh, they control. He's he's a viscount, so he's relatively lower down on the, the the nobility totem pole, but still very well respected because of his mastery of his sword style and the fact that he trains um, the the military uh, for Erebonia a lot of the time. Uh, she is. It's interesting. She's also very, you know, assured and 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 has pride for for her her family and her lineage and being a noble. But you know, she's also a bit more level-headed about things. Very level-headed about things. It's one of the most level-headed members of the entire cast, I think, and that's part of the reason why I think it's easy to like her. Mm-hmm. She's she's you know she's she's strong. She's courageous. She will, you know, she'll say and fight for, for what's right. Um, she doesn't, like, use her nobility as, like, a, you know, a crutch or a, you know, oh, look at me and how important I am. She's very much focused on that sort of ideal of knighthood, of being, uh, you know, someone who, that other people can look up to and in, in a good way and not in a because their social status is so much higher. So, and she's also like the most powerful member, like physical power, powerful member of your party. And whenever you have her in your party for a chapter, it's like easy street because she can just destroy everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she wields a uh, broadsword or greatsword about as tall as she is. And, uh, yeah. And whose, who's, uh, like handle is probably thicker than her arms. But yeah, she wields it with, with grace and so much power. Oh my god. Just doing... And yet, for some reason, when she puts it away, she puts it away at her waist instead of putting it on her back. And I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, when, that anime magic. Yeah, when realistically, it should be like dragging down whatever clothing it's attached to. Like it's like it, like you know, you tied a, a giant sword to it. it but it, and it, it, but she t- she attaches it to her waist and then it vanishes because uh, you know, hammer space, anime magic, whatever you want to blame. But uh, I, I I just like her for being sort of cool, serious, and likable, and how everyone seems to either love her or fear her in the mm-hmm. <laughs> in the school. Like, she she's on the swim team, I think, and she, she's good at that, too. But, it uh, like, the other people on the swim team, like, l- like, almost look at her like some kind of athlete monster. And, uh, which... <laughs> But but she handles it with uh, grace and and in stride. So I, I don't know. I really like Laura. She's uh, she's a great character. Mm-hmm. And she has a hot dad. Am I right, Alana? She has a hot dad. There yes. are lots of hot. There are some hot dads in this game. We will get to some. All right. In, mostly in part two. Yeah, I, would my, say. I think I haven't I haven't met any hot dads yet. I'm so upset. But, uh, but chapter it, but, three has a hot mom and a hot dad. So right on. Mm-hmm. Those <laughs> sounds great. But uh, we will get to that in ch- in uh, the second podcast for sure. But uh, staying in the present, Zach, other than uh, Laura and Eusis, uh, what's one character that you really enjoyed in Cold Seal? I, I mean, we've talked about all three of my favorites at this point, Eusis, Machias, and Laura. <laughs> um, so <laughs> um, I guess I'll talk about Fee. Um, yes, I'm not, Fee! Like, she's not really one of my favorite characters necessarily, but man, she's when one you of build mine. her the right way in battle, um, she's so fast uh-huh. um, that she and she can evade so many attacks that she really, um, similar to Laura, um, really makes a huge difference in battle. And just the number, number of like status effects that she can inflict is really cool. And I can't talk too much about her background yet because we don't know much about it. We do know that she she was in the Jaeger Corps at this point, right? Yeah, I think we do. Yeah. Oh, so she's um, and, so she's another in the uh, fine line of um, Kiseki child assassins. 
Indeed. Right on. Yeah. yeah. And, and we get a little bit of better background there. Yeah. I like um, without, her... without spoiling the Trails in the Sky series, there are at least three key characters who are child assassins. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. She's definitely of that lineage, <laughs> yes. Um, and I really like, uh, speaking of my favorite character, she has sort of a rivalry that develops toward the end of Chapter 3 with Laura and just sort of the way that, that works out and the maturity that they both sort of show with it. Um, <laughs> and, and she grows sort of in the process as well. Um I, I like that a lot, um, but really, I just like the way she plays in battle. Yeah, evasion tank fee is a viable strategy. Just, I'm just saying this right now for when you guys get to the end game. She's a really good idea for one of the final bosses, and she will continue <laughs> to be a good idea in Cold Steel too for some of the optional bosses. Ooh. Just so, just point of fact whenever you have a good piece of equipment that has evasion on it don't get rid of it until you know you're not going to get a better piece of evasion gear from like a later chapter because you can stack evasion on her crazily like you can have her at either 95 percent or 100 percent depending on your equipment and then if you use um thing the you use a master quartz that gives her uh shining by default or if you cast shining on her so that she has 50 percent evasion on top of whatever she's wearing she can like basically survive almost everything she's as guaranteed a, to get like two turns for every one of everybody else as well mm-hmm. even with like one extra bit of eva- um, evasion or speed yeah like, I, I, i've stacked move and evasion on her Already, and she's. I think her. Uh, I think her orbment also has uh, time and wind on it, so they're encouraging speed and evasion on her build already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, um, And and as a, and personally, as a big fan of Xenoblade's naked Dun- Dunban build, I welcome. <laughs> I <laughs> I welcome speed speed and evade tanks. So this sounds great. Um, I I like Fee as well. Uh, she has a bit of a. Oh, I don't want to say a flat personality, but she, she has a bit of a sort of a like a, a no cell personality, like like she like she won't nonchalance, yeah, yeah. like a, like nonchalance boredom. She enjoys sleeping yeah. a lot, and she also is prenatally uh, agile. Like <laughs> when a big trap door uh, tricks everyone in the first hour of the game, she's the one <laughs> character who jumped up and grabbed a, a chandelier or a, a chain or something, <laughs> which yeah, which is crazy. Some... So yeah, like if she, if she's a former child assassin, like certain uh, Trails in the Sky characters, I'm not I would not be shocked at all by it. But also, it's it's uh, she, she's definitely cute. She looks more childlike than the rest of the cast uh, so far, at least. And uh, Emma has almost like taken a uh, like a big sister role towards her. Emma is always helping Fee study because uh, mm-hmm. Fee is uh, maybe the most athletic member of the class other than Laura, but uh, has a lot of difficulty with school. And Emma's the uh, you know uh, number one stu- uh, testing student, so it, th- that's cute. Uh, I also enjoy how blunt she is. How like yes, like in chapter two. <laughs> when, in chapter two, when you're going through uh, uh, the no- that the noble city, it, it has Alborea in it. It's like it's like Al- it's Berea hard. Yeah, Berea, Berea, Berea hard. That's it. Yeah. Um, when you go through Berea hard and everyone's treating Usus uh, differently, and Usus is a little embarrassed by it, Fee's like, oh, "This sounds dope. I-, I could get used to this." She likes to tease. She does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess it's, it's my turn. Um, uh, we've already gone over Laura and Yusis, so I'm going to cheat and talk about my third favorite character, who is not in the class of Cold Steel. We're going to talk about in- Instructor <laughs> Sarah. Oh, of course. Cool. I know we could have cheated. She's my favorite character in the whole game. Yeah, she is awesome. <laughs> She's uh, amazing. Uh, Sarah is their uh, is the instructor for class seven. She's very coarse. She likes drinking. She likes fighting. Uh, she might be narcoleptic. Not sure. 
And at one point, uh, when uh, Machias and Eusus are fighting and she wants to settle them down, she challenges uh, Machias, Eusus, and Reen to a simultaneous 3v1 duel and kicks their asses, which is just the best. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I like Sarah a lot. She clearly was part of the creation of Class 7. Like, the Class 7 isn't, isn't really aware at first of why they were... Uh, why they're the first in this experimental class, and uh, and Sarah is sort of guiding them through their school experience, but she knows more than she's letting on. And at the uh, pro, the flash forward prologue at the very beginning, she's uh, she's leading Class Seven in some kind of uh, some kind of war or mission scenario that mm-hmm. uh, they they don't really tell you a lot about, except that there's a lot of big machines and uh, Instructor Sarah is a badass. I love her. She's very much a badass. And her voice actress just loves her to death. Like, you might have... (laughs) If you saw the recent panel that Nisa had um, uh, just uh, a few weeks ago, I think it was. Anime Expo, Um, I think. Yeah, yeah, Anime Expo. uh, She loves her character. And with good reason, because Sarah just has so much comedic opportunity with all of her lines and her drinking and her, you know laziness when it comes to teaching so she's good there's also a couple hard drinking ladies in trails in the sky and uh <laughs> I-, I would love nothing more than for sarah to hang out with uh Sherizard for like a-, a game or a scene or something and also uh they romanized her name as uh, sarah valstein which makes you think of valstein castle from east oath and Felgana, which yeah which i played only a few months ago so that that was a uh, that was a fun thing seeing seeing that surname appear on the screen, but yeah, she she's great. Um, she's definitely my favorite character outside of Class Seven, even though she's their homeroom teacher. Uh, and I don't know if I had a favorite student, it it, it would be Yusus or Laura, and we covered them early on. But l- <laughs> let's go into the ones we haven't gone over yet. We uh, I mentioned Emma, that how she takes like a big sister role for Fee. She is a mage girl with glasses and a, a magic staff, and she's super good at magic and school. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't feel like we get uh, a ton about her, at least by the cut point. Um, I mean, she, I, I think we yeah. find out by the end of chapter three that she has something going on with a cat, right? Yes. There, there is, yeah. a, there is a stray cat that, uh, yeah. that Reen has met a couple times and Emma seems to know about the cat. Yeah. And, and so there's some mystery sort of surrounding that. Um, and so I'm interested in whatever that's going to be. But other than that, I mean, I just feel like she's just like sort of like good girl who's good at school and like does what she's supposed to do at this point. Yeah, she's class president, isn't she, as yeah. well? So yeah. she's definitely the middle ground. Yeah, um, yeah, she's definitely there for reasons, and she's definitely the like middle ground for the whole class, but by the break point, you don't really know much about her, and you only really get drip-fed. Um, I feel like she's going to play into some bigger stuff later on, and... I mean, I'm interested in her, and I think like juggling her with another magic user is really difficult, because... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I almost prefer the other one, like quite yeah. a bit more. Resounding beat is so broken. Elliot, on, Elliot so. is yeah. more yeah. useful, and they are they are really really similar to uh, the the two mages in this game are really similar to Chloe and Olivier, even down to how their or- orbments are set up. <laughs> oh, okay. But it, but, uh, but I I don't know if I prefer um, em- Emma to the other magic user. 
Elliot. Yeah, Elliot. I'm just terrible with names today. I'm so sorry. I don't <laughs> Elliot I... is is really kind of better set up to be your pure healer. Yes. And, he, he has... and Emma is really better set up to be your damage mage yeah. with a little bit of healing thrown in. Yeah. Um, Elliot has some native blue ornaments in his uh, in his ornament setup, so he's going to be naturally given a lot of uh, water magic and healing magic. Well, Emma has some mirage uh, ornaments in her setup. Again, this is a lot like... Uh, a lot like Chloe and Olivier. Um and and Mirage does a lot of things, but but including increasing your EP. So I, I think mm-hmm. I think she's more naturally equipped to be a, a powerhouse offensive mage, and Elliot is more equipped to be a powerful healer and booster. But they're, but they're both good, and I just can't get it out of my head. Uh, Emma really reminds me of Chihiro from Persona Three and Four. <laughs> uh, oh really? Yeah, because she ends up being class president, and she's uh you know a girl who has it mostly has it together and has brown uh, brown hair and glasses i don't know that, that that was the first thing i thought of when i when i well when I you know it's mm-hmm. it's interesting that you mentioned persona because some of the voice actors uh in cold steel uh also have roles in the persona games like... oh it's funny that you mentioned that because this, there are so many because... things lifted from persona <laughs> yeah no kidding <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, uh, trails of cold steel really feels like trails in the sky uh, after its developers played Persona 3 and 4 for two years straight. Um, and, and, yep. and, but I don't mean that in, in mimicry or, or in a rip-off sense. I, I, think it's a, I think they just borrowed ideas and made it into their own thing. Uh, dur- in between... Um, it's way more streamlined. Yeah, it, it's more streamlined. It's, yeah. Instead of having t- uh, 21 to 24 uh, very regimented 10 scenes of dialogue uh, social links like Persona... You have uh, you hit you uh, basically say oh you have enough free time to hang out with two or three friends which which two or three do you want to hang out with and that'll get you extra scenes of dialogue and sort of maybe boost a uh, like uh, boost a meter if it's a uh, for that gives you know increased likelihood of double attacks in battle or something with that character so it's a but but in a way I mean Reen is a little bit like a Persona protagonist in that he is. Like very strong and very good, and is the glue that connects the whole team together. <laughs> he definitely is. He's the sticky <laughs> stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Even Sarah like picks up on that really quickly, and you'll notice mm-hmm. with a lot of the um, field studies, mm-hmm. uh, Reen is always. You'll always be able to work out what party you're given because, like, chapter one, you got given. I don't know. Is it Laura, Elliot, and Laura, Elisa, and Elisa? And then you get. We the haven't other. talked about. Yeah, no, we we still, yeah. we we still got Elisa and Gaius and Elliot to cover. So you know, I, I haven't mm-hmm. forgotten. <laughs> but well, guys, yeah, we... so forgetful. It's okay if we're on, oh, for us not I... to talk about him. <laughs> there's one. There's one scene with Gaius early in chapter two, where because uh, Gaius was on the team with uh, Machias and Eusis in chapter one, and uh, Gaius like talks to Reen's like, "Hey, uh, those two will not get along, but if anyone can convince him to get along, it's you, bro." <laughs> so, uh, uh, that's basically Reen's yeah. role for most of the game. Yeah. He is literally the um, peacemaker. Yeah, it, it really illustrates Reen as the as again as the glue guy and Gaius as a you know. Sort of taciturn, nice dude. Yeah, wins. I, yeah, Always I the feel wins. bad because guy, I do quite like Gaius, but even like his chapter is chapter three, and unfortunately, he's kind of overshadowed in that chapter because another character's family member turns up at some point in there, and yeah. that kind of overtakes everything. Gaius is kind of cool, but yeah, his whole stick again is like oh, I'm, like, one with the wind, and I love my homeland, and things like that, so I really would like to yeah. see if he, he come, do I am one with the force. The force is one with me. I am one with the... <laughs> but replace force with wind. Me. If you put Donnie Yen into this game, then we're talking about an all-timer. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Especially if it's like 1991 Iron Monkey Donnie Yen. Absolutely. Oh, man. <laughs> and uh, Alana, Alana, I'm not sure if you've seen the Eat Mon movies, but you want to talk about a handsome martial arts dad. Oh, my. Oh, Ooh, my. no, I haven't. I'm going to have to look this up in a minute. Oh, yeah, it's a, they're, they're good martial arts movies, and Donnie Yen is like a top is one of my absolute favorite uh, martial arts actors. But anyway, um, it was it was it was a bit of a shock seeing him in Rogue One, if anything. But <laughs> okay, okay, <laughs> uh, back to Trails of Cold Steel. Um, Gaius, yeah, he's from the Nord Highlands. He, uh, w- which is a you know, uh, uh, the people of the Nords are part of Erebonia, but are sort of more uh, more tribal or more nomadic. It's a, it's a it's a less developed civilization than the, than the rest of Erebonia. It's not actually part of Erebonia. It's outside oh, it of the Empire. Oh, no, I, I, I neighbors. Was, oh, I thought it was the outskirts of the Empire. They they have a close relationship in part because of the role that Emperor Dreykels, who ended the Civil War uh, uh, 200, what, 225 odd years ago, played with gathering his army starting in Nord. But they're not – it's not – Okay. part, technically, of the Erebonian Empire. Right. You actually leave Erebonia when you go to the Nord Highlands. Okay, so Gaius is a true exchange student. I, 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 yes. I, yeah. um, I misinterpreted a little bit. I just thought that Nord... Yeah, uh, I mean, he says a couple times that he doesn't really understand the differences between the nobility and the commoners. And yeah. I, yeah, and it sort of defines his personality. He's like, oh, I, I don't know about your ways. Yeah, I, I think Gaius is very boring. His his family is more interesting than oh, he is sure. because his yeah, family is true. so adorable. At least they have good food. So yeah. Yes, I want to eat that food. I don't mind Gaius in combat though. He has a big spear and he has uh, some pretty good area skills. And he's I don't know. He's like, he's like a less good Laura in a way. He's, he's very more, useful. He's definitely early more on. of a tank. He's yeah. more. He's got the better defense, and you can speed him up a little bit more than Laura. But um, he does get very overshadowed in the late game. I would say. Mm-hmm. He's, yeah. I, mean, he's... I, haven't used, I haven't used him once since chapter four. I think. Oh yikes! <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was useful in chapter three because I didn't have any other big hitters. But after that, I mean, I exactly. haven't, I haven't touched mm-hmm. him. Yeah. Yeah. No, no Laura and, and no fee in chapter three means that you're. I mean, Gaius and Reen are all you got, really. Moving on a little bit, uh, Gaius actually strikes up a friendship with Elliot pretty early on, and like at the very, very beginning of the game, like Reen, Gaius, and Elliot are a bit of a trio. Uh, Elliot is um, sort of quiet and lacks confidence. He's a he's the shortest non-fee member of the class, and uh, he's also an avid musician. He he is really excited to be able to join the school orchestra, and he's also probably the best healer on the team. We mentioned a little bit about his or his ornaments and his skills earlier on, yeah. but. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think he's. I think Elliot's nice. I don't dislike him at all. But I think he's in the Gaius Emma tier of being a little under underdeveloped in the first three chapters. I yeah, I would Elliot, agree. I think Elliot's very sweet. Uh, you don't know a lot about him again until later on. Um, but I really appreciate his kind of neatness. Like his kind of, he's very, like compared to all the guys. Like Rian is pretty, you know, stoic. And then you've got Eusis, who's just Eusis, and then Gaius, who gets on with his own life. Thing. Machias is very loud and has a big personality and is always wanting to do everything right. But Elliot is just kind of there, and you never get the sense that like he, he, he not that he doesn't want to be there, but it's like more that is he right for military school yeah, kind of he thing. He doesn't fit. Yeah, no, <laughs> he's a cinnamon roll in every sense. <laughs> Aww, he's adorable though. I would yes. like. He is a cinnamon bun. I think. I actually yes. really like Elliot. <laughs> He looks like a cinnamon roll and is actually a cinnamon roll. Correct. The last time I had cinnamon rolls was when I watched the last season of fia- uh, season finale of Better Call Saul with one of my friends. 
<laughs> because uh, because the main character in that uh, works at a Cinnabon in a mall, and uh, for the past oh. for the past for the past two or three years, me and one of my friends are like, all right, whenever we watch the finale together, we got to go and get some Cinnabon. <laughs> <laughs> so whenever, so whenever someone like uh, treats a, uh, mentions a, a fluffy, sweet, kind-hearted character as a cinnamon roll, I'm like, <laughs> better call Saul. Saul is not a cinnamon roll. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I like Elliot a lot. Uh, the I, I, again, I think I'm I, I'm pretty sure we're gonna get more development later when I when we inevitably meet his family, and I am looking forward to that. I think uh, uh, Alana, we mentioned his dad on the uh, Mother's and Father's Day uh, Mother's yep. and Father's episode of Retro. We did, yeah, and I didn't take think much of it over the time because like yeah, he turns up quite late. But Elliot also has a hot dad. Oh no! <laughs> Add another to the pile. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but we, the, I am a little surprised that it's taken us this long. But uh, there's one more member of Class Seven that we haven't gone over, and that's Elisa. Mm-hmm. Um, now she is blonde. She accidentally falls onto Reen in the first thirty minutes of the game, uh. and they have an awkward an- uh, first episode of an anime encounter that ends up with her <laughs> slapping him, I think. And she <laughs> is the most obvious Sundari archetype since. Oh yeah. Since She's 9 out of 10 Helga Pataki's from Hey Arnold. <laughs> oh, that, that, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, that's the Sundari scale that I use personally. But, I mean, she goes by Elisa R. at the beginning, but she blanches whenever someone mentions the Rein, uh, the Reinhold Company. Or, I'm sorry, Reinhold. 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 So you picked it up. Good yeah, for you. Yeah, the Reinhold Company. Or, uh, or mentions to her, or, or like there's even a scene where you do some... Uh, you read, there's like a little business task where you uh, in chapter one where you run a uh, you run a vegetable stall for uh, for an afternoon and she and uh, Elisa has the most business acumen of the of the four teammates. Mm-hmm. That's right. And uh, and when someone suggests that to her, she again like changes the subject. So it's it's very clear that Elisa is the um, the daughter of the Reinford Company CEO. And you yep. find out in chapter three, out. I yeah, believe. No, I, yeah. I, I'm zero percent surprised by that because I haven't no. I haven't necessarily gotten there yet, but I already know, of course. Similar to Eustace, I guess doesn't want to be defined by that part of her, so mm. she so she avoids it. And um, I, fu- I her, find her a bit irritating. Her awkward <laughs> her oh, awkward shit. interactions with Reen, I do not appreciate one bit. No, they're trying to force them into a ship. They and really like are. It. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I would much prefer the good ship Laura. Laura or even the good ship Emma. Really, right? Eustace. Uses. I mean, I, mm, okay. <laughs> yes. <laughs> High five, Alana. I mean, I like the way she plays in battle. Um, I mean, S crafts are so broken in this game that um, if I can just like um, constantly just like use her, um, what is it, blessed arrow? I think. Um, oh yeah, just, a cross, as a CP yeah. battery, just constantly. Um, I, I mean, I, I feel like uh, once I just use that a couple of times, I can just kind of keep chaining S breaks together, and that makes the game significantly easier. Yeah, so I like, would, when, uh, I like when she's yeah. my party. And, and, yeah. and uh, listeners, if you're uninitiated. Uh, um, uh, basically, special skills in this game are called crafts, and spells are called arts. Mm-hmm. So yes, you are playing with arts and crafts in the entire Trails series. Um, yeah. And and S crafts are the each character's sort of super moves, and they're very powerful. And you can even use one at any time to interrupt the turn order. So if you have multiple, m- more than one character able to use their S craft, even if it's in the middle of a bunch of enemy turns, you can pull off three S crafts in a row. The S crafts are very powerful. And Elisa is pretty good in battle because she's you know she's balanced. She has she she's good with spells. She's like a sort of a Jill of all trades character, but she can increase other people's CP for craft uh, craft points for S crafts, and that makes her very powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, she's I mean she's basically a, a 
a reasonable execution of a Sundere anime character, and that that is, I I mean, this is a little disrespectful, but it's almost the defining part of her personality. Yeah, the moment. but it's it only better. for that first part of the game. Yeah. Yeah. She, she, I mean, she, she, she makes, has some favorite elements yeah. in the rest of it, but that that moment between her and Reen is the only one that's really Sundere. And she gets, you know, it's their first impression of her after meeting her briefly at the very beginning of the prologue, so I get how it sticks with people. But, like, I feel like she also doesn't get enough credit for getting over it in fairly short order. You only suffer through it for the pro- through the prologue. Mm-hmm. And and, yeah, and chapter so. one's uh, free day. Yeah, and I mean, especially after chapter three or during chapter three, when she you meet her grandfather and sort of get a feel for what her background is, and you get a feel for sort of why she has a chip on her shoulder. Um, you know, they do a nice job of shading her out, and uh, not not to spoil anything for passes, but it, it definitely she softens for the remainder of the game. That's yeah. Cool. We mentioned Arena Reinford on the uh, Mother's Day feature, um, which right. is um, Elisa's mom. Um, so yeah, there's definitely a a big thing going on there in your head. I don't room. like her. No, I'm not sure about her but either is, at But all. is she a hot mom? Mm, yeah. She's... Yeah. The problem very is... Very businesswoman-y. With... No, yeah, exactly. Okay, she's sure. very much, I will get my stuff done, and I, she literally will walk past the Lisa. Oh, so uh, she's an independent businesswoman who don't need no man. Correct. Who don't Got need it. anyone, <laughs> apart from Sharon. <laughs> ah, Sharon... Oh, is, 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 Sharon. Is, Sharon, is Sharon an administrative assistant or something? Uh, oh, so you'll Sha- see. Yeah, okay. you'll find out. Sharon is a maid of very many talents. Oh, so is, are we talking like the maid from Danganronpa 2? Not that oh, I'm, much. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Danganronpa V3. I'm getting my Danganronpas mixed up. You are. Not that much, no. Okay. Hmm. Well, we've already spent like forty-five minutes just talking about the, just talking about class seven, but and I and I would like this podcast to be under three and a half hours. So um, uh, let's continue a little bit. Uh, the basic structure of Trails of Cold Steel is between sort of school days, then uh, um, then then field days. I'm sorry, then field, sorry, then field studies. We talked a little bit about how you can sort of go around and talk to your friends and increase, you know, your uh, your connection meter with them by during your free time, but th- that's only a couple points in the game where you get to freely explore the school. Most of the time, uh, you're you know you're going to classes. You don't have to play through classes day by day like a persona like Persona Three onward. Um, uh, Rain sort of gets roped into being a uh, representative of the student council, so he's his he's literally charged to right wrongs and solve people's problems in town <laughs> in between major story segments. And uh, field studies are the uh, points are in the game where Class Seven travels out of town to uh, um, to you know see the world and uh, do a special diet of of coursework and tasks that are provided by Instructor Sarah. There's also the old schoolhouse, which I do want to talk about, but we're going to put that aside for now. Uh, the first three field studies are the first three chapters. They go to the villages of the village of Celtic, then the city of Bereahard, and then the open expanse of the Nord Highlands. Um, and in each of them, they, I guess we mentioned this before, but they see the sort of the noble conflict, the noble commoner conflict uh, play out, and they see bigger glimpses of the world outside of their hometowns. Because again, these uh, nine people are from different corners of Erebonia, and uh, part of these field studies are to broaden their horizons and teach them about, their, about where they're from. Uh, so what do you think of this? What do you think of field studies, and what do you think of this structure at all? Because the game is sort of structured into school days, schoolhouse, field studies, side quests, and and it repeats. But 
I, I, I sort of dig it. Like every time I go back to school, I'm eager to go and talk to people again and and like hang out at school again. And when a, I know a field study's coming up, like I'm, I'm right before the third field study right now, I'm like, oh damn, where are, where are we going this time? It's it, like it's it's structured, but I think it's structured smartly and gets players anticipating the next chunk of content. Does that, does that, do I sound like a complete insane person or? <laughs> no, you don't. Okay. <laughs> this, that is in, that is exactly one of the draws of their system. I think that if they had taken the persona route and done a day-to-day kind of thing, it would have gotten out of hand and, and, mm-hmm. you know, cause persona can really start to get kind of boring when you're doing oh, yeah. a lot of mm-hmm. daily activities without any story content when in between is, them. Yeah. When it's three weeks to the next piece of story content, your cat is telling you to go to bed early. Pers- bed, yeah. yeah. Persona. <laughs> yeah. persona and, and, and everyone's yourself. bugging you to go into the metaverse or to go into, you know, Tartarus uh, or the TV Tartarus. world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like, uh, um, but I think also, uh, just in relation to the other games in the series, I think having those free days in a hub world that is static, like it's always Thor's and Trista, uh, you always are dealing with the same people, so other mm-hmm. students and townspeople, and their stories develop across each chapter, even though they're just side characters. Oh, yeah, there's also uh, several NPCs, not just your classmates, like... Uh... Like uh, Toa and Crow and Cool Biker Girl, and even just like the other students too, like the little the 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 small students who don't Mm -hmm. really factor. They're they're not voice. They don't factor into anything main story. But they all have their own little arcs. If you keep talking to them uh, after basically every change in story, yeah. But like the um, the shopkeeper girl with the Scottish accent. And the, the, yes. the, the the jerk nobleman Patrick that we mentioned before, and oh, the, uh, yeah. the the art twins that play a prank on Reen in chapter two. <laughs> I love them. <laughs> I love that game. Like, like talking about de- development, they've all you've got like in your diary, you've got a page where you take notes on everybody, every NPC you meet, so you can log all of their changes and read up about them. And even through some of the um, bonding events you have with your main characters, like if you don't have them, you won't find out certain things about them. So. It's worth doing bonding events with characters that you have in your party and also don't, but also just talking to everybody. It's really rewarding. Yeah, totally yeah, agree. There's, there is so much dialogue in this game that is yeah. uh, that can be a little overwhelming, um, especially since it, in uh, a, a lot of Falcom games are guilty of this, or at least Legend of Heroes games. They encourage you to talk to every NPC because uh, and every NPC in the game will often have new dialogue options when uh, when when the plot moves on and it's and you'll sometimes be rewarded for this there's hidden side quests there's uh hidden items that that, that are not always well communicated like uh oh shoot i think it's a i think it's red moon rose in this game but in both yeah. in, in both trails in the sky mm-hmm. and in cold steel there's a book series that you can only that if you collect every single book you get a super item at the end of the game but it's they don't tell you about it there uh all of the books are limited to the chapter where you can first find them and that is just sort of one just grain of sand in the hourglass of all of the hidden optional dialogue in a Trails game. And Cold, mm-hmm. and uh, I think in Cold Steel, it's most represented when you visit the uh, Trista is the town where Thor's resides in. But when you when you're going around the academy and the and the school town, in between field studies, and I mean I, I mentioned a couple of them, but do, do we what uh, other NPCs did, do we think stand out in this game? Well, we already mentioned Becky. Becky's the best. Mm-hmm. She's great. I liked, uh, well, I liked or slash hated, but um, Alan and uh, Bridget. 
the the Alan is uh, the commoner. Uh, he's part of the fencing club and grew oh, up with Bridget. Oh, right. yeah. They're childhood friends, and he clearly has the hots for her, but. It takes him forever to realize that he's in love with her, and then even longer for him to get the courage up to do anything about it. And you kind of like you want to throttle him by the end of the game. Yeah. Spoilers, um, but that that whole little story was kind of that subplot was very cute between the two of them. Um, Vivi and uh, Lind, the twins. Oh yeah. One of whom is nice, and the other of whom is a mischievous little prankster who likes to pretend that she's her sister in order to make her sister's life kind of, you know, interesting slash yeah. living hell. Um, <laughs> and oh, we can't affect, we can't forget the most important student NPC of all, uh, Kenneth, the fishing senpai. Oh yes. God, Kenneth! Yeah. <laughs> not always, but I often really like fishing games and RPGs, which is not a popular opinion. Uh, but it's it, a wrong one. It's okay. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, Cold Steel is an exception. It, 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 I did it this morning, and it was actually pretty it, fun. This is this is better fishing than average. Uh, there's even a like a fishing game only RPG at E3 that I played. I, I almost I almost like wanted to do an article about it, but <laughs> but it declined ultimately. Um, but yet yeah, the there's a fishing mini game in this, and it's pretty good. And the uh, the fishing student that gives you rods and rewards for catching rare fish is named Kenneth. Yeah, and uh, don't do it on turbo. Even though Alana told me not to, I did. <laughs> and my it's arm right, hurt so badly at the end. <laughs> me too. It's, I feel like it was harder on PS4 than I remember it being on on Vita and PC. It, it's like. very easy on Vita, but I also can't turn on turbo mode, so I uh, I don't know what that's about. <laughs> and but it, I mean, you're basically just doing like a oh like one of Mario's fireballs in Super Mario RPG, just pressing buttons in sequence as fast as you can. Yeah. Yeah, I'm good at pressing buttons quick. So, mm-hmm. so uh, I, we mentioned the old schoolhouse. Uh, at the end of every batch of side quests you do at the school, uh, the principal and instructor Sarah ask you to, uh, hey, go ahead and explore another floor of that old schoolhouse. Because uh, <laughs> the old schoolhouse, a former uh, school building that's gone into uh, into disuse, um, has a dungeon hidden under it that, that, <laughs> uh, that changes its layout and appearance. Um... Uh, whenever, whenever you unlock a new uh, a new floor of it, like it's the cathedral in Diablo or something, and uh, there's secrets under the old schoolhouse that Sarah and the principal and maybe others know about, but the uh, the students are like, I don't know why they keep having us go in here because this is weird and dangerous, but I guess we better. <laughs> and uh, the schoolhouse is you know just a a, a, a small dungeon and boss that you uh, got to take care of at different increments, and I have to admit maybe the hardest boss I've dealt with the entire game so far is the old schoolhouse boss. Chapter between, 2 one? Yeah, between chapter 1 yep. and 2. Yes. Yep. That's the those, one I struggle yeah, with, those, too. This is one yeah, of the, the hardest ones. Yeah, those, those yeah. three, like, manta ray-looking things that cast Confuse on you. Though That was not easy and not appreciated. <laughs> and, and they're spaced so far out, too. You can't use, like, area of effect attacks on them, either. So yeah. it was mm-hmm. just, like, focus on one, then focus on another, then focus on another. But, yeah, I mean, I, I party wiped on that twice. But you also so, have to yeah. spread yourselves out, because they have their right. own area of effect attacks. Yeah. And, you, and if you have any anti-Confuse equipment, you better throw it on. And, uh... Your party options aren't great. Uh, I mean, you do have Elisa and Laura, but uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about how you know Gaius isn't exactly the most uh, electrifying party member. <laughs> and I'm curious with the old schoolhouse. It, was that is that where the prologue opens? Did I is, it is, is that yes. correct? Yeah. yeah, it is. Okay, I thought so. Okay, because I was I couldn't quite remember, and I'm like, I, there's, there's something else going on here. 
That was actually one of the hardest battles for me, too, was that prologue battle. Um, I really struggled with that one for whatever reason. Yeah, uh, the schoolhouse is definitely one of the more... It's not challenging, challenging, but it's definitely where some of the difficulty spikes come in because mm-hmm. you can't really train up during chapters because um, Cold Steel's experience system is really cool and that it will always award more to the people who are lower levels, mm-hmm. but it, then it will start to peter out the higher you get. It's very so, sweet yeah. in that way. Trails yeah. 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 in the Sky does that too. Yeah, yeah. yeah the whole series it's, is. It's really nice, but when you start to hit like 50, whatever level you need to be, or um, and it starts evening out, and then you're losing to the boss still, you're like, well, I'm doing something wrong, and you have to play around with your augments and stuff. So yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't think this is a supremely challenging RPG, but there are no, there are no. there are occasional difficulty spikes. And um, and customizing your your equipment and your ornament. Ornaments are the you know materia like system where you equip gems to a uh, to to a character's um, you know specific grit, ornament grid, and then they they learn skills and spells and, and passive bonuses. Like I think you'll get powerful enough through smart equipment and ornament that you'll yeah. be, that it'll the uh, difficulty curve will even out a little bit. I mean but, as. As the game goes, I found that it gets much easier as you get uh, as you can specialize your characters more. Yeah, um, uh-huh. and, and you can lower their speed, raise yours, um, just load up on CP for S breaks. I mean, I've taken bosses down in like you know four turns at this point. So yes, it, it, it gets easier as you go if you're paying attention to it. But early on, chapter two, I thought was the most challenging part of the game. Yeah, it's there's a, just a few surprising difficulty spikes, and yeah, um, again, the hardest battle I've done by far was bet- was right in between chapters one and two, which is. You know, a little head scratching, but um, I don't think it's ever really unfair. And uh, yeah. uh, you know, enemies will do surprising amounts of damage if you uh, if you neglect your equipment a little bit. But this is all like RPG basics, and if you you know tinker a little bit and strategize a little bit, I don't think any of it's unfair. Yeah, well, it helps that you recover all your HP when you level up, but also that um, uh, some characters have CP based healing, mm-hmm. and CP recovers whenever you take or receive damage or give oh, damage. Yeah. So it re- and the max is two hundred that anyone can have at any one time. So, yeah, it's not hard at all. And uh, you can use one hundred uh, CP to use your S craft, but if you let the meter go all the way to two hundred, then it'll be a much much more powerful version of the same S craft. Yeah, I always save up for two hundred. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but let's go into those field studies again. These are uh, sort of like weekend trips that you take in, uh, one per chapter and to explore a new corner of the empire. And uh, the first one is in a sort of a pastoral village called Seldic. The second one is in a, uh, a village... Keldic. What? It's Keldic? Oh, like... the K uh, sound? Uh, not, not a... Uh, like, like the Boston Keldics. Got it. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the uh, uh, Bereahard is the uh, village of nobility, which is um, right down the road from Keldic. And then the Nord Highlands, which are in the, uh, the far, far-reaching corner of uh, outside the Empire's border, as, as we've uh, established earlier. But uh, what do we think of these three story segments? Um, again, each of them sort of illustrates part of the uh, the noble commoner divide, and uh, and hints at intrigue going on behind the scenes. You meet more characters that will def- at each chapter that will definitely figure in later, and you also see some uh, very shadowy NPCs that will <laughs> definitely appear later. Well, like Vader. Baron yeah. Blueblank. Yeah, yeah. He's in a Trails that in the asshole. Sky, isn't he? Is he is he a certain character from Trails in the Sky that I remember, Caitlin? Yes. He, okay, <laughs> I, thought, I thought so. Yeah. 
All right, okay. Uh-huh, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, Celtic... Celtic, for me, is the very... It's very much the first field study, so it mm. very much eases you into the system, teaches you what you need to do, gives you a tiny bit of the flavour. Um, like, the one thing I really take away from Celtic's field study is that's where you meet Claire. That's the only mm. thing I really take away oh, from she, that. Oh, Claire, um, Claire's great. I liked her. And in the whole, I like Claire a lot. In the whole 15 yeah. seconds I saw her, I'm like, all right, I like this lady. Oh, and she's Sarah's the, friend? Yeah. Even better. The minute they called her the Ice Maiden, I was like, well, this is going to go well. And I was like, yeah. yep, I like her already. Um, but, yeah, that's where you introduced to the uh, uh, railway military police which are the opposition to the oh god what's the army called the provincial army is that so they're yeah. kind of like oh, loggerheads at points in the game as well so yeah the provincial no, army I'm... is like is like a city's police station and the and the uh, the railway what, what are they again the railway, railway military the RMP. RMP yeah the RMP are like the FBI that will you know take over the police precinct for a, for a big crime and so there's definitely resentment and uh, tensions between the two groups yeah, yeah and that that ties into the noble commoner uh, divide mm-hmm. too because the provincial armies are run by the noble lords who lead each of the major provinces whereas the RMP and the general military of Erebonia are controlled by Chancellor Gilead Osborne, who is not a noble and is basically the de facto leader of the entire country and supports a lot of more pro-commoner uh, legal measures that the nobility does not appreciate. Yeah, again, the um, Erebonia is an empire, and there is an emperor and a crown prince, but Chancellor Osborne is like the prime minister, like the uh, yeah, pretty much, l- l- like the you know the functional ruler and not the ceremonial or true ruler. Yeah, more about him next time. Yeah, more yeah, 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 yeah. a lot about him, <laughs> especially since there's a. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I mean. Th- even having separate rulers of the noble nobles and commoners, like you know, further illustrates this divide that just is clearly the driving force behind a lot of the plot in this game. Yeah, but Celtic Celtic was also really cool because Celtic was, um, in a lot of ways, it was a callback to Trails in the Sky to early FC. Uh, if you remember, some of the very first things that you do in FC is you go and you replace uh, the lights and the lamps and the... That's right, and you fight monsters that are threatening farms. And you yeah. go and you get a bear claw mm-hmm. for, for somebody, which are all three of those things that you have to do <laughs> oh my in Celtic. That's super That's fun. Cool. And, you know, early FC ends with you solving a, 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 a crime, a, something that gets stolen, and what do you do in Keldic? You're finding out who stole all those goods from the, uh, from the Grand Market. So it was, it was kind of, it was cool. And I, um, I had played, I actually did have uh, FC on my PSP, and I would played through the prologue of FC before I started Cold Steel, but I got distracted by other stuff and never completed it. So I, I remembered that part of FC even when I played Cold Steel for the first time, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool in kind of a nostalgic kind of way. Oh, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> you remember? Yeah. Uh, Keldick is, again, very baby's first RPG village. It's, it's pastoral. It has a lot of farms. The quests are pretty simple. And the crime that you resolve at the end is, uh, you know, showing tension between the uh, the RMP and the provincial army because the provincial army sort of let some crime happen and then tried to cover it up. It's uh, a bad scene in general. But in Bereahard, uh, the 
cry the right that you're wronging is a little bit more dramatic because uh um Reen gets bad, badly injured in a uh, in one of the quests and the uh and Machias and Eusis are basically at fault because they're they're bickering inter- interrupted the boss fight but and uh and because they couldn't link as well yeah so exactly i like the way they tie that in a few mm-hmm. times yeah yeah they, they tie in the 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 attack linking ability into sort of the uh the story and the lore of the game and what's a pretty smart way but uh but then uh, right when machias and Usus are sort of starting to make up uh machias gets kidnapped um, by now, I'm, I again, I, I just did this hours ago, but it was a uh, it was a faction of nobles that are trying that wanted to kidnap the governor's son to pressure the governor for something. Yes, right. I yeah. mean it's okay. basically Eustace's dad who does it, right? It's, it's, it's his yeah. dad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, right. Because <laughs> okay. remember, his dad also pulls Eustace back to their home and mm-hmm. then basically puts him under house arrest so he can't do anything. Right, and then and then you have a. Uh, yeah, geez, you had to do the the first half of that dungeon with only three people, which was a bit of a. A bit of a pain in the ass, even though yeah. one, of the, one of those three people is Fee. Yeah, it, it that definitely that those events. You eventually, of course, rec- rescue Machias and Usus, uh, and Usus rejoins the team, and it's a uh, it, it it's has some good moments. But that uh, again, this is chapter two of the game, and nobles are kidnapping commoners for political reasons. So it it goes it goes pretty hard from the get go. You also find out in Chapter 2 that Rufus is on the board of uh, directors for Thor's Military Academy. That's right. Which, yeah. Yeah, which is kind of a theme. We should. We can maybe talk about that in the next episode, though. Yes. The rest, <laughs> yeah, I, the rest of the board are all later in the game. Or actually, wait a second. Uh, I think, I, doesn't, doesn't Arena reveal her role when I you're going to Nord? I think the beginning of Chapter 4, chapter, I think. I think it might be Chapter 3 with Sharon, mightn't it? Because I think you run into Arena when you're going Nord, and I think she she just casually drops. That's right. You stop by Ruhr. You're on yeah. the train, and because it's such a long train journey, you have to change at Ruhr, and she uh, turns okay. up and is... Um, and she's like, hey, y'all, I'm also on the board. Didn't you know? Yeah. So parents are on the... Parents and relations are on the board of directors. But yeah, we were talking about Rufus. I don't trust Rufus at all. Like, he makes yeah. my skin crawl. He seems way too charming. I don't know. Yep. He's, he's, he doesn't make my skin crawl quite as much as... Uh, let's say the uh, the surprise um, manipulative villain in Trails in the Sky, but because uh, that guy, yeah, holy crap! But um, there's someone else who makes my skin crawl more. But, but I would I would not be surprised if uh, again I, I I don't know though I, I think he's he's a noble and wants to do what's best for the country, but he's also a noble and the nobles are up to some shady shit. So I don't I don't know if I would be surprised or not if he if he betrayed or not because it's. I th- I'm, I'm not sorry. saying one thing. Right. He seems like the most way. likely candidate to me. He, see, he well, seems I... like a likely candidate, but I don't think, yeah. he, I don't think he's evil. Okay. Well, my problem is is that he's voiced by, he's voiced by the same person who voices Alexei in Tales of Vesperia. Oh my! <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so immediately I was like, okay, I don't trust you. That's immediate. Like, mm. so we'll see. We'll see if I'm wrong. He's very pretty though, so maybe he gets a pass. Who knows? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not this thirsty normally. I'm so. <laughs> that, that's a lie. You're. Th- we are this thirsty always. <laughs> but uh, let's see. I, I mean, moving on to chapter three a little bit. This is what I haven't played. You visit the Nord Highlands, and I'm sh- and definitely Gaius's family. But uh, what sort of plot machinations happen in chapter three? Well, I mean, there's um, an attack by the same group that. Um, sort of put the uh sort of the theft together in chapter one so like they attack like a a 
a nation next door. What's the name of the nation that's next door to them again? I can't remember. Uh, liberal, 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 no. liberal is on the. Or, or this is the opposite side of the. Okay, it's Calvard. Calvard. Calvard Nord, yeah. Nord okay, is sure. between. So there's Arabonia like a simultaneous attack on Calvard and um, Arabonian forces, and so you sort of are trying to prevent them from like going to all-out war. Um, and for me, this was the part of the game where, because uh, for me, like, you guys were talking about this earlier, like the rhythm of the first couple chapters, like it felt a little constricting to me. Like I didn't have like big areas; I was just like running through towns or like really small maps. Um, but for me, when Nord came up, and I actually got to like ride a horse around like these big open fields and just kind of explore a little bit. Um, for me, that's when the game really uh, sort of clicked into place for me. Was Nord? I mean, for me, for me, it was watching Machias and Eusis, uh, <laughs> uh make up in Chapter Two. Chapter One's a little boring, but with like that, that was a um, the biggest plot hook for me thus far. Although I, I barely, I barely scratched the surface. I think I'm less than twenty hours in. Well, Nord as well is kind of like it's a little easier and a little more open, but like that attack brings to light a repeated incident from i think chapter two so if you remember when you're in the canyon in chapter two you mm. see a flying robot go yes. across oh, yeah. the canyon uh the robot and the person turn up and you meet them and million yeah million she's so great is she is she the person who has like a a floating partner that's kind of like yes. the tech yeah, kind of like it looks like Big Hero Six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, yeah, it, well, it looks like the technology in the old schoolhouse that you use for your yes. uh, for your practical Very exams. Correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. So you meet her, and you're basically trying to solve the mystery of who's attacked both of these nations, these areas at the same right. time. Um, there are some other characters you meet as well. So you meet uh, one of the Vanders. Um, so if you play Trails in the Sky, you'll know that Mueller Vander is. A, oh, cool. Well, yeah, is Olivia's. Um, bodyguard correct um long suffering body, body suffering bodyguard i love mula vanda the Bo- two yes. times he's popped up so far yeah like, uh bodyguard and potential life partner yes definitely life partner. in my head canon and definitely life partner <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah um so uh, you all of your all of zex vanda that's his name um, yeah one-eyed zex yep you also recognize the surname from the cold steel 3 demo we played that's right Yep. Um, but um, uh, but he uses a different school of Vander's swordplay than Mueller does, and they they even correct. they even mention that a little bit. Correct. Yeah, he can't use the two uh, the one sword, so he uses the two swords. Yeah, he he, he fights kind of like uh, Yashua in Trails in the Sky, I think. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. For me, Chapter Three might be the weakest for me. Uh. I think. I, it starts off some intrigue, definitely, with the attack, and this is the also the first time you meet. A character called Comrade G, and Comrade the Comrades, they get an official name later on. Um, they're a very interesting bunch, and we met G, kind of become... C, and V, right? Because I, I, I remember they talked to a guy. Oh, we have uh, met. In, G. At the end of chapter one, you meet G yeah, yeah. and C. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yes, I remember. Yeah, C's the guy who's wearing like the Darth Vader. Get he's up. Darth Vader. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's Darth Vader. I thought it was more like Sentai kind of. <laughs> yeah, it is kind of a little it? bit, a little bit, yeah. But uh, you only get With a the dramatic. There's too. the the voice and yeah. everything. You only get a dramatic yeah. demasking in a couple Sentai series, which oh, I am yeah. covering in a, covering in a new podcast. It's uh, in seventy three parts, and each part is four hours. <laughs> <laughs> Sentai encounter. Yeah, the, I, I'm the only panelist. It's just me. So, which is uh, which I know I know is what the, what is what the people want. Exactly. But uh, uh, yeah, this will not surprise anyone. But. Uh, masked people jumping into giant mechs and having them battle each other is 100% my jam. <laughs> so I, I'm looking forward to some of that later. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the first time you encounter them yourself. Um, 
So that kind of starts the wheel of emotions. But I think it might be because Gaius's story in Nord is kind of a bit removed from the rest of Erebonia. It just kind of felt a bit detached to me. And I think, and it probably didn't help that I played it over E3. So I played like half of it before and half of it after. But I think this was definitely, and the areas are quite big. I think this is the area I would struggle with without Turbo. Um, uh, yeah, I think I, I mentioned it in passing. But I'm not sure I could make it through Cold Steel without Turbo. I think I really appreciate the slow burn, and I really appreciate that you can basically quick warp anywhere around Thor's and uh, um, Trista. Um, but the movement speed on the map is sometimes quite difficult for me to cope with because I like it's it's just a bit too slow for me. That that's, and... that bugs me more than the speed of combat honestly yeah i think so and so i'm really grateful i love what i've played so far and i love the story but i think nord would have been where i'd have really struggled without turbo mode personally so we've covered the first three chapters in the second podcast episode we're going to be covering more characters and the and the remaining chapters of the game um but I think we're all quite positive on it. I mean, I know Caitlin, and since she's uh, it, this, yes. is, this is her, mm-hmm. uh, I'm guessing third replay, third play of this game at least. Yes. Uh, but the but uh, there's definitely a lot of plot intrigue, that, and we mentioned that there's a, a wealth of dialogue, and the game's a little bit slow moving. But the, I mean, maybe we've been maybe we haven't said it out right. The dialogue's good. This is a well written game. Absolutely. It's so well yeah, done. Yeah, Exceed really yeah. killed this. Yeah. Yeah, they did a great mm-hmm. job. And uh, I remember when. Uh, Exceed was localizing Trails in the Sky two and three. They sh- they like showed like books of how lo- large the script was, and these were these were like multiple textbooks stacked on top of each other's size. There's just an, an indecent amount of dialogue in these games, but at least it's good, and it really gives you a feeling of immersion and experiencing this cool setting. If it makes me want to play the other eight games in the series, then mm-hmm. you're a winner. You know, I want to go back and play Sky and. I want to play the Crossbell games, but they're not localized, yeah. so it's really frustrating because Crossbell is referenced quite a lot in Cold Steel. Yeah, I was going to say that, yeah. yeah. It's pretty obvious that the two are kind of happening in parallel, aren't they? So I think the first Crossbell game yeah. is towards the end of Cold Steel 1, and then the second Crossbell game maybe is overlapping 2 as well, and towards its own space. I there's think so. A, um, Crossbell... There's a gap between Cold Spell 2 and 3 anyway, so... Crossbell's a... Yeah, Crossbell is a small city-state that's in between Erebonia and Calvard, and I think it's been fought over by those two much larger nations, like, for generations. Yeah, And so, uh, and, and, and they even, you meet people from Crossbell and Trails in the Sky as well, so it's, like, it's, it, it's not like they just had it spring out of the ether after the first three Trails games were made. But the, uh, I, I think that we, like, we'll hear about the events in Crossbell during Trails of Cold Steel one and two, and it will, and the events of that will figure more specifically into Cold Steel three. So hopefully they give us. I mean, we we talked about this on an episode of Random, Caitlin, but uh, we mm-hmm. like we want there, there needs to be some kind of primer on Crossbell to people yeah. and uh, for to people to understand Cold Steel three better. And I don't think the door is closed on a pop- possible localization. It, it they m- keep they keep hinting yeah, at it, yeah. so, I, so I, I, it would make sense, I think, given the popularity in the West and also the fact that Nisa presumably now own this and East off of Falcom. So, I think that it would they they they've got the turnaround, the money, and the profile and the marketing to probably make it like, hey, you want to fill in the gap between these games? Then here you go, here's these. And it's, know, it's a little it's, it feels a little weird for Nisa to be more successful than their parent company right now, but it really appears to be the case. 
Yeah, that's true. But uh, we're not talking about Crossbell here. We're not talking about Cold Steel 3. We are uh, at the end of the first episode of Trails of Cold Steel 1. Uh, we will be back in two weeks for the thrilling conclusion. I will be going ham on this game in those next two weeks because I am <laughs> behind and I truly do want to finish it. Both for I'm the po- yeah yeah both for the both for the podcast and because this has been in my backlog for so long and I've been ignoring Same. it I uh, I really need to rectify that and um, hopefully it will happen in the next few weeks I, I might have to uh, I might have to um, put aside some of my Final Fantasy fourteen grinding to it which which hurts but this is more important um, you can definitely do it but even more important yeah than, even more important than that uh, this is episode one hundred ninety nine. Now, if my math is right, that means next next week is episode two hundred. Uh, that's that's a mile. See, one ninety nine plus one, yeah, two hundred. Right on, Casey. Okay, I was never good at integers. I'm, I'm, I just it, it makes more sense to me if it, would, <laughs> it would make more sense to me if I like made them into fractions or something. But uh, um, next week is episode two hundred. It is in the planning stages. We have an idea for what we're going to do for it. Uh, it has not been recorded yet, but I am looking forward to that a lot. It is going to get weird, and that is, and I'm going to make stupid rules that we have to follow, and those are two of my favorite things on podcasts. Mm-hmm. But uh, following episode 200, there's going to be more Trails of Cold Steel, and uh, following that, we're going to do another RPG Villains episode. Uh, yeah. Zach, you were on the first RPG Villains I episode was. a few months ago, and I think you're very excited about the subject oh. of the second one. Oh, I am. Oink, oink, oink. But, uh, yeah, following those episodes in August, we are going to be playing Wild Arms 3 in September. That was originally the plan for the game we record podcasts for in July, but a certain announcement of a certain Trials of Mana. I can't mix up those two T words. You're okay. Yeah. You're doing it. Right. Uh, the Trials of Mana announcement made me uh, pull an audible and push Wild Arms 3 back to September, but we are going to play that game. That was a winner of a public poll that we held in the spring, so we have not forgotten Wild Arms 3. But listeners, if you want to talk about past, present, or future episodes of Retro Encounter, the best way to contact us is to email retro at rpgfan.com. We also have uh, message boards, a Facebook page, Instagram, Twitter, a Discord server, a Twitch channel, all RPG fan-themed and all linked from the main page, rpgfan.com. We also have two other fine podcasts, Random Encounter and Rhythm Encounter. Caitlin, you're a regular fixture on Random. And uh, no one is a regular fixture on Rhythm because... Not anymore! There hasn't been an episode of that in quite a while. (laughs) Yes, I'm sorry! Caitlin, we might have to do just an FF14 dedicated episode. Uh, Yes. And I'll, I'll, I'll fly to Mike's house to... To, in, in case I have to kidnap him to do it. Get through Hillary first. Yeah, yeah. she can be on the episode too. Problem solved. Yeah, she's yeah. playing the game. I think she'd take our side with us, Caitlin. Um, I think she would. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, Rhythm Encounter is not dead, it is but dormant, and hopefully it will be revived later. I cannot say when or how or what, though. Uh, but if you want to give any feedback for any of our podcasts, you can review us or comment on iTunes or Google Play or however you are listening to us. We want all the feedback you can provide. So uh, thank you so much, everyone, for joining me on this. This is a game that I've wanted to cross off for so long, Same. and I know and I know that a lot of um, both RPG fan staff and RPG fan uh, readers and listeners love the Trails games. Uh, mm. Like it, it gets a lot of um, discussion on you know, Facebook or Twitter posts or in the Discord. So it's, uh, I think that we were maybe 
possibly overdue for this episode. But I'm glad we're here, and I'm glad that I will finish this game very soon. I'm so excited. I'm so, I'm, I'm trying so hard not to talk about stuff that happens yeah. past Nord, and it's so hard. No, no. Yeah. If I've been if I've been quiet, it's because I don't <laughs> want to say things for fear of spoiling. No, I, I, what I understand. The rest of the um, game. I understand, and uh, even though I don't care about spoilers ninety percent of the time, uh, I I do want to respect the uh, you know the structure of the podcast and uh, and and to keep the discussion to the areas that we're going to talk about. But I will let and both of you. Ab- you might be playing yeah, along. I, I will let both of you absolutely pop <laughs> off in the second episode because that is that we'll is... all be popping off. I hope. Oh, yeah. I think stuff stuff there's stuff to talk about. <laughs> I, I think that is definitely what the listeners want. But uh, in case listeners want to contact us, contact us directly, how should they do so? Starting with you, Zach. Uh, you can email me at zachw at rpgfan.com or find me on Discord at zachw. Right on. And Caitlin? Uh, you can email me at caitlina at rpgfan.com or Leanne Cazero on social media. And Alana? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Alana Hakes or you can email me at alanah at rpgfan.com uh, or anything RPG fan related otherwise is Diving Falcons. Excellent. And uh, listeners, if you want to reach me, the best way to do so is to email uh, retro at rpgfan.com because I'm the one that reads that email. But you can also find me on social media at The Real Monsoon on Twitter, at Evoker for Dogs on Twitter sometimes, uh, Monsoon Mike on the Discord, and Monsoon on RPG Fans forums. Oh man, I, I have a lot of video game ahead of me. I, I know I do. I'm getting. Yes. Cause, uh, cause I, I still do too. Try to try to pace yourself as much as possible because some of the end game stuff is a slog. No, no, no. It's all it's all good. I will. Uh, when those slogs happen, I will throw in a podcast or queue up a bunch of Netflix documentaries and then just go be dead to the world for uh, chunks of ten hours at a time. But I'll, I'll, make, I'll make it happen. <laughs> wow. I'll make it happen. They're not, they're, they're not that long, the slogs. They're not ten hours. But, no, when I get into full grind mode, I can sort of turn into a monster. So we'll, we'll see... Like, we'll see what happens in the next two weeks, but I am very motivated to finish this game on time. So, uh... We'll see. Listeners, thank you. Good night, and good luck. Good luck.